All right, welcome Alternative News listeners. We are in the studios here in the capital city of Austin, Texas. This is September 16th, 2019. This is your community radio station, and this is KOOP HD1, HD3 Hornsby. This is bringing light into darkness, Monday News and Analysis. Uh, As we do each week on bringing light into darkness, we first go to war. Again, just remind listeners that you are listening to the premier community radio station of the nation, 91.7 KOLP, right here in Hornsby, Austin, Texas. I wanted to just uh, start off with a quick news segment and segue into the focus of our show, which will be on the unfolding conditions of bellicose words coming from our White House towards Iran. But let me just start by just saying a couple of uh, Democratic debates ago, uh, Kamala Harris repeated the mantra You know, who are you going to trust, our intelligence or what Vladimir Putin or some other Russian government spokesman says? Those are kind of paraphrasing some of her words. You know, since the turn of the century, some over the last 20 years ago, my question would be, why would you trust what our intelligence says without verifying it for yourself based on a number of misrepresentations? And one of them, of course, the 2003 Iraq invasion, we were told, based on false allegations that Iraq had WMDs, false allegations that they were harboring al-Qaeda, proven lies or misrepresentations, to say the least, that Iraq was responsible for 9-11. These were types of things that were kind of stirred. You know, we had these mobile lab laboratories, et cetera, et cetera. Then in March of 19th of 2013, there was a gas attack in Al-Qanasal in Syria that was immediately blamed on um, the Assad government. They denied it. Actually, the proof of Assad government doing it was never presented. That was followed in August 21st, just a few months later, five months later, in El Gota, a suburb of Damascus, occurred in August 21st, 2013. The famous gas attack that uh, was, was blamed without any shred of doubt on um, the Assad government by our Secretary of State John Kerry in front of our congressional hearings and such. Our Secretary of State John Kerry made a number of misrepresentations that uh, we've discussed in great depth on this show. We won't go back into them. But once again, those accusations that almost led us to war, huge bombing raids of sorts. Uh, Theodore Postel, um, a physicist and his uh, Uh, Another physicist, a partner of his, elaborately showed that the claims that were being made by these government documents, not intelligence documents, I might add, these White House documents, were not possibly accurate. And then uh, in April of 2017, April 4th, Khan Sheikhom in Idlib province, it was controlled by al-Qaeda groups, yet the White House government claimed that it was a Syrian government a gas attack uh, that occurred before there was any investigation within a matter of days, less than a week, yet they clubhouse government. Some 59 missiles were shot. And then a year later, in 2018, on April 7th, there was a chemical weapons attack in Duma. They clubhouse government launched 103 missile strikes even before the uh, OPCW, the Organization for Prohibition of Chemical Weapons, even had a chance to visit the site. The one in 2017 at Khan Shechem, before there was any investigation, within a matter of days, less than a week, some 59 missiles were shot into this part of the world. And at the end of the day, to this date, 
Not only has there not been proof that these gas attacks were perpetrated by the Syrian government, it appears increasingly that it was done as false flag, al-Qaeda-type false flag attacks in order to bring the United States more involved into the, the opposition to the Assad government. On April 13, 2018, Trump announced that the U.S., British, and French strikes against the Syrian government, citing the alleged chemical weapons attack in Douma. And, and then in March of 2019, the OPCW provided a U.N. report assessing the evidence, and Theodore Postel again stated that the gas attacks were staged. Uh, these are bold words by a guy that put together arguments based on physics and fairly irrevocable evidence to suggest that what was being suggested was not possible. Finally, I just wanted to say that the U.S., Britain, and France, they carried out airstrikes in, as we said, in March of 2018 against these three sites in Syria. NPR reported that they carried out the strikes in response to a suspected chemical weapons attack last week. Uh, so just look at the language. A suspected chemical weapons attack results in all of these missiles uh, he says, and then the article goes on and says, quote, we are prepared to sustain this response until the Syrian regime stops its use of prohibited chemical agents, President Trump said in televised remarks. Yet these, these prohibited chemical agents were never attributed in any type of scientific valid way to, to Syria. And just lastly, Theodore Postel authored this detailed assessment of that questionable report, the OPCW report, that was provided to the U.N. Security Council on March 1, 2019. And the reports were about the alleged April 2018 chemical attacks in Douma. And um, an engineering assessment for the OPCW, which is dated February 27th, was kept from the public and the U.N. Uh, Security Council for almost three months until it was made public last month, and this is like, this would be of May of 2019, by the British-based working group on Syria propaganda and media. And so basically, there was dissent in the OPCW report that concurred with what Polster was saying all along. Uh, yet once again, all of these uh, allegations that seeped into the American consciousness as absolute truths were never truths. And so the question would be, why would you trust what our intelligence says without verifying it for yourself based on a number of misrepresentations? And so I wanted to first just make that point as, we, as we're on the brink of another type of potential war. And President Trump is now saying that, that the proof is evident to him and to others and that they're going to be looking more into it and that type of thing. I also wonder, before formally introducing our guest, just kind of set the stage for this kind of false scenario. It's false because it leaves out a very important fact about the Iran and the Houthis activity in Yemen. And I guess what I'd like to just say is that it's now been over four years of aerial bombardment of Yemen, and there's a Saudi-led coalition from what I have been looking at over the last couple of years, and we've reported quite a bit about this on this show, it's now over 15,000 bombing raids over Yemen. And there's a group called the Armed Conflict Location and Event Data Project, and they estimated that some 56,000 Yemenis just between the January 2016 and October 2018 were dead, were killed. And the UN announced last December that Yemen would be facing the worst humanitarian emergency on Earth 
in 2019 as a result of this Saudi war and blockade uh, with now 24 million people or 74% of the entire population in need of human assistance. Just a couple of other things, just to get the context of this brutal genocidal war that's been unreported in the U.S. press in Yemen. These raids have targeted and blown up hospitals. They've blown up infrastructure uh, such as water treatment and sanitation facilities. There was a huge cholera outbreak infected well over a million Yemenis in the last three years, killing well over 2,000 or around people, including 60% were children. These are children dying in Yemen from a war that's being perpetuated by Saudi Arabia, that's being armed to the teeth by our government. And this is all left out of the context of these Houthis that are fighting back and apparently have fighting back in such a way as they have threatened and actually are the most likely projectors of, of the missiles and drones, I should say, that have, uh, have reached Saudi Arabia, not just on this occasion, but on prior occasions. And finally, the World Health Organization and uh, actually the executive director of UNICEF and the World Health Organization were talking about this direct consequence of two years of heavy conflict. There's collapsing health, water, and sanitation systems have cut off 14.5 million people from regular access to clean water and sanitation, increasing the ability of disease such as of cholera to spread. So with all this rising malnutrition and terrible living conditions in this country that's been under war, now Saudi Arabia is getting a little bit of a taste of what it looks like for a country to apparently defend itself is what it looks like more to me. But anyhow, with all that being said, let me first welcome back to the show the esteemed professor of chemical engineering at the University of Southern California. That would be Dr. Mohammed Sahimi. Dr. Sahimi, thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me in your program, Petro. Let me just add, too, that I, I could go through a, a litany of descriptions of the kind of work that Dr. Sahimi has, has written and those types of things. But I think a more appropriate description of Dr. Sahimi, he was part of the Green Movement in, in Iran, and he left Iran, perhaps maybe not even by his own choice, in the early 1970s, came to this country, got his Ph.D. here in this country. I got his undergraduate degree in Tehran. So he is a very strong criticizer of the neoconservative governmental uh, influences in Iran. But at the same time, he also has studied extensively the geopolitical environment in which Iran finds itself and has spoken out against accusations made against Iran without proper evidence and such. So I find your analysis over the decade now or so that I've been reading it to be very, very helpful to getting a both feet firmly on the ground kind of analysis of what's going on from the Iran perspective as well as the United States perspective. Dr. Sahimi, with that being said, can you first speak to the seriousness of the potential conflagration that, that may be pending if the United States does decide to attack Iran? Yes, first of all, we have to remember that the emerging crisis is the direct result of what the Trump administration has been doing against Iran. We had a nuclear agreement with Iran, between Iran, the United States, and other permanent members of Security Council plus Germany. That was working well. We had promised Iran that we would lift sanctions that we had imposed on Iran as a result of uh, its nuclear program. And President Obama 
did do that to some extent. But then when President Trump got into office, he left the nuclear agreement and he reimposed the sanctions that President Obama had lifted and he added to it. And Secretary of State Mike Pompeo in May of 2018 announced the policy of maximum pressure on Iran, whereby he was supposed to put so much pressure on Iran to supposedly change its behavior. And he said 12 conditions that Iran needed to satisfy, which basically amounted to capitulation by Iran, a country of almost 85 million people in one of the most important and most strategic areas of the world. So since then, the tension in the Persian Gulf has been increasing. The other thing that President Trump has done, the completely wrong-headed policy, is siding with Saudi Arabia in its rivalry with Iran. 